Thank you. Over the last decade, there has been a rise uh, in celebrity atheists who have sought to cast doubt over the character of God in the Old Testament. They have often condemned God as not worthy of worship, uh, even if they could be convinced of his existence. Yeah, you are perhaps familiar with that quote from Richard Dawkins that says, the God of the Old Testament is the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealousy and proud, petty and just, and unforgiving control freak. And though many of us sat here this morning profoundly disagree with Dawkins when he says that, the sad reality, I think, is that many of us who publicly believe in God privately live lives as if God does not exist. Therefore, all of us actually need to be confronted uh, with an important question that is asked throughout the scriptures. What is the God of the Bible really like? And how should we respond to him? Now, we've been going through the Old Testament book of Jonah, a prophet living during the time of King Jeroboam II. And you know from the last three sermons that Jonah is living eight centuries before Jesus. God has raised him up to help guide Israel's military policy against the predatory Assyrian Empire. And over the last three Sundays, we have seen God call Jonah to go to Nineveh, only for Jonah to run away. But God never abandons his people. We see God relentlessly pursuing Jonah. And we had that, that, that we reminded last week of how God almost pursued Jonah like in Francis Thompson's poem, The Hound of Heaven, he hounds Jonah out. We saw in chapter 1, first of all, that God uses his great power to raise this storm, to appoint this storm, to cause Jonah to see sense as he threatens the boat Jonah is in uh, with that great storm. And eventually Jonah is down there, stuck at the bottom of the sea, fighting for his life. And God appoints that great fish that goes there, rescues Jonah from that sinking death sort of moment that he's facing. The fish comes in Jonah's life, not to punish Jonah, but to serve him. And we saw last week that God doesn't stop there. His love for Jonah is so amazing. He goes back to Jonah, and chapter 3, verse 1, has that wonderful verse that says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah for a second time. And we were amazed last week, and we said, Thank God for a God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, because God pursues Jonah. He uses him for his great glory in Nineveh. Last week we saw Jonah achieve the greatest evangelistic success the world has ever known. Nineveh repents and God forgives them. The book of Jonah consistently debunks the new atheists. It consistently debunks those of us who live as Christian atheists, publicly saying we believe in God, but yet denying his grace in our lives. It debunks that because in Jonah we see a God who's so wonderful, so loving, so caring, who's constantly in pursuit of sinners. And today in this chapter 4, this is actually not the final sermon in Jonah. We have one more sermon in Jonah next week. But this final narrative sermon in Jonah, 
We see that Jonah last week, God has forgiven Jonah's enemies, Nineveh. And the question we're asking this morning is, how will Jonah respond to that? To see God forgive his enemies. The question we're exploring this morning is, how should we respond to the amazing grace of God in our lives? Well, let us resume our journey with Jonah 2,700 years ago and see how Jonah chapter 4 answers that question. And you have the first headline in your um, outlines. The first thing we see here is that sometimes we are disappointed with God. Sometimes we are disappointed with God. We see that Nineveh has repented before God in verse 10 of chapter 3. And the city has been spared. How does Jonah now react to this? Look at verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. Jonah is furious. What a strange reaction. And we can probably picture Jonah pacing up and down and really angry with what has happened. Why all this rage in Jonah? Well, verse 2 tells us, and Jonah prays his angry prayer to God, and he says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah is angry with God because his worst fears about God are coming true. Now in plain English, what Jonah is saying to God is simply this. He's saying, it is your fault that I ran away to Tashish. Because even though you are very loving as a God, I always knew we can't trust you, your sense of justice. You are too soft-hearted. I knew the moment Nineveh repents, you forget all the evil things these evil beasts have done to my people. You know, Nineveh hangs our corpses around city walls, and, and now they boast about how many heads they've chopped off. Why would you forgive them like that? This is the heart of Jonah's prayer to God. Jonah is disappointed with God because he thinks God is not fair. Jonah is thinking God is too unpredictable. He doesn't dance to Jonah's tune. This is not how the story should end from Jonah's perspective. He cannot live with a God like this. He cannot live with a God he cannot control. You know, the tone of Jonah's words to God here is shocking. We are shocked because we recognize that this man is a prophet of God, the best theologian in Israel. And Sister Tracy, we are in Jonah chapter 4. Thank you for joining us. Jonah is shocked here. John, well, we are shocked at Jonah's words because we recognize that this man is a prophet of God, as I just said. Jonah is the best theologian in Israel. And look how he's talking to God. But it's more than that. 
This man Jonah has received tremendous love and care from God. He has seen the power of God at work in his life more than any of you or I would ever see. He has seen God appoint a fish. You've never seen that. You've never been inside a large fish like that. Well, thank God for that, of course. Uh, he has seen the largest evangelistic success. An entire city turned upside down by God. I have never seen anything like that. Jonah knows the grace of God. He's experienced it. And yet he questions God. He's angry with him. You know, if anyone should shut up and be happy with whatever God does, it is Jonah. And yet here Jonah is disappointed with God and insulting his character. Friends, Jonah is proof that it is possible to belong to God and be used by him and still live a very sad, defeated, disappointed, and doubting life before God. There are many Jonas who attend our churches, many Jonas who take communion, many Jonas who do great evangelism, and yet they have no joyful relationship with God at all. Maybe you have been a Christian for many years. When you became a Christian, you were expecting constant blessings like Jonah. Uh, instead, what you got is pain and sadness. You're still a Christian, but deep down you're disappointed with God. God has not just delivered what you expected. And because you are disappointed with God like Jonah, there is no joy in your life. There's no, in fact, there's no life there. You are just going through the motions. And of course, you are afraid to admit it because it's painful to come to that point of realization. Now, I want to be very clear here because this is an issue close to my heart and, and I meet a lot of people who are in this situation. I want to be very, very clear that it does, not mean you are not a, it does not mean you are not a believer. Don't listen to those voices. Jonah belongs to God. Can we get that clear here? He's a prophet of God. A man anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have a book in the Bible next to your name. Jonah does. Jonah belongs to God. And many people who are disappointed with God are probably, many of them are followers of Jesus. What it simply means is that you believe in God, yes. You're following Jesus, but yet you're living like an atheist. You are what I call a Christian atheist. You are disappointed with God. But someone may say, well, if I'm still a believer, why does it matter then that I live a disappointed life in God? Well, that's the next truth we see from Jonah. The next truth we see is that disappointment with God 
leaves us empty. So truth number one, what is truth number one? Who wants to tell me? What is truth number one in front of your outline? Sometimes, stay with me here. You have to help me because my voice is you know, be, be with me. Sometimes we are disappointed with God. Right? That's truth number one. Truth number two. Disappointment with God leaves us empty. That's why it matters. It leaves us empty. Notice there that Jonah has not finished having a go at God. Look at verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, he continues to pray. He says, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Well, this is a polite way of saying, I am sick and tired of working for you, God. Just take my life or leave me alone. Jonah has had it with God. The question is, what will God make of this attitude? Look at verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? I think the Lord is very gentle there. So yeah, do you do well to be angry? He's like, come down, Jonah. Do you do well to be angry like this? Now, this is a shocking response from God. We expect God to give Jonah the Zachariah treatment. What is the Zachariah treatment? Well, just make him go, you know, numb. That's what happened to Zechariah when he doubted God's promises. God struck, strikes him in the New Testament and he just, he can't talk anymore. Until John the Baptist is born. That's what we expect. We expect God to shut Jonah's mouth. But God lovingly asks him to think more clearly about it in a very gentle way. Oh, our God is so patient, isn't he? He's so loving. He's so kind. You know, as a Puritan, Richard Sieb said, he's a meek king, a king of poor and afflicted persons. As he has beams of just majesty, he says, so he has a heart of mercy and compassion. As he has beams of majesty, so he has a heart of mercy and compassion. But Jonah no longer respects God. He does not even give God a courtesy of a response. Look at verse 5. And Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. He sat under it in the shed till, until he should see what would become of the city. We can picture Jonah. <laughs> He's made himself a front row seat, uh, you know, with Nineveh popcorns and nachos, and, and he's sitting there with the Coca-Cola, as it were, and he's waiting for God to change his mind and, and rain down fire on Nineveh. That's what he's doing. It's a bit sadistic, I think. But he's doing that. Why is he doing that? You know, he should be inside. Why should Jonah be? The man of God should be inside Nineveh helping those who have just repented from his preaching. Not outside holding a poor me party. How selfish. How selfish of Jonah. You see, friends, when you are disappointed with God, you do not feel motivated to serve God. <coughs> a life of vibrant ministry for God does not flow from Bible knowledge or amazing ministry training. It flows from a thankful heart of grace. 
But it is bigger than that here. You see, when you are disappointed with God, you become lonely. You no longer want to be with God's people in church. You, you don't see the point of regularly fellowshipping, so what you do is you withdraw from church. Jonah should be in church, as it were, in Nineveh. But he's withdrawn from that. And suffering does that, or pain or disappointment with God in general can do that to us. You see, Jonah cannot go back to Israel. Why can he not go back to Israel? He's probably afraid. He's probably promised. When he left, he must have told everyone, I'm going to Nineveh. I'm going to rain down fire on them. You'll see what God is going to do. He probably did that. And now he's seen God save these people. And he's just sitting there all alone, covered in bitterness. Friends, this is a picture of everyone who is disappointed with God. It is a lonely place to be. It is a place of loneliness and bitterness and emptiness, and which expresses itself in a myriad of ways. Maybe you're not sitting outside Nineveh, as it were, but you probably hide your disappointment in God by finding other things to escape to. Perhaps you watch a lot of TV. You spend endless hours on social media. Perhaps you are eating too much food, or perhaps simply retail therapy. You see, you are either living your life depending on the grace of God, or you are running away in emptiness. You see, you are doing these things, you know, these things to escape from God, not because you are addicted to them, but because you are addicted to the escape from emptiness that those things provide. You see, when life lacks a point, we feel it with pointless things. So is there a way out? Is there a way out here? Well, the good news is there is. And this is our next truth. The next truth is that God is always full of grace towards us. God is always full of grace towards us. So truth number one, sometimes we are disappointed with God. Truth number two, Disappointment with God always leaves us empty. That's why it matters. But here is the good news. The good news is that God is always full of grace towards us. Jonah is sitting there lonely and bitter. He, he wants to be left alone. But God has other ideas. Look at verse 6. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that he might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And God has given here Jonah a gift to comfort him. Now, what is this plant? Well, we don't know. Some think it is a castor oil plant. And we don't really know. What we know is that God again in Jonah is demonstrating his power over the natural world. First, he controls the sea. Secondly, what does he do? He controls the fish. And now he's appointing sovereign control over a plant. And Jonah is very happy about this plant. But have you noticed something? In his happiness, he has forgotten to thank God for it. And he's not thanking God for this plant. He's just exceedingly happy. Wow, this is good for me. And in his sadness, of course, doesn't last. Look at verse 7 to 8. Now when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. 
When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching wind, another act of God's sovereign control. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Jonah is fainting. This is the second time Jonah is fighting for his life. You remember he was stuck down there under the sea fighting for his life. Now here, God specifically has directed the sun with all his power, another act of God's sovereign control, and it's now beating down on Jonah that to the point that he's fighting for his life. When he was dying, Jonah prayed to God to rescue him. But notice now what prayer he gives God in verse 7, in verse 8. And he asked God that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Did you get that? And he asked that he might die. He asked that he might die. We should note in passing here that people who belong to God can sometimes wish to die. Can sometimes desire death due to the problems of life. No one is immune from despair. We should also be clear here, this is very important, that not all longing for death is sinful as such. Sometimes our wishes to die are driven by a deep desire to be with God. Is it not Paul, after all, who said, I am at press between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Is it not Paul in 2 Corinthians, when he was at pressed, who said, under persecution, I despaired of life itself? Is it not Elijah who was under such intense pressure from Ahab and Jezebel that he despaired of life? Persecution and a strong desire to be with God can drive us to that. And it's not a sin to long to be united with the Lord we love. But we should also be clear that Jonah's wish here is a sin. Jonah is wishing to die driven by hatred of life. It is a sin to wish for death because we can't stand people around us or we feel not wanted or we feel we are a burden to others. It is a sin. And, and this is an issue very important to us as a as a church, in fact, across all ages. As a church, we must never ignore the voice of despair. You know, I sometimes hear people say, well, so-and-so is wishing they're not to be around. And it's just a comment. I think that's tragic. That's tragic. Because first of all, if they're saying that, they're sinning before the Lord and as a church. If they're having good, it's not about being with Christ, it's something else. It's possible they are sinning, and as a church, we should take that very seriously. Um, this is across all ages, old and young, I've heard it. Young people who don't feel life is worth living and flirt with ideas of suicide. It's a sin. And of course, we should also be clear that 
It is not the unpardonable sin, suicide. God, there will be people in heaven who commit suicide, of course, and that's not the focus here. But we should be clear about that. There will be believers in heaven who commit suicide, and God has forgiven them for that. Because the blood of Christ covers for their sins. But as a church, we must take this issue seriously. We want, Christ is all about life. And as a church, we must lie behind each and every one of us to encourage, strengthen one another and encourage each one of us to live positive lives in Christ. And we should take seriously, seriously any notions of despair people feel. Notice what God does here. God graciously turns down Jonah's request. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? <laughs> and he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Jonah's response is very rude. And he's acting like a child here, and the way he's talking to God. God has brought about this here to discipline him, to, as a loving father, to bring him back to himself. As I was reading this during the week, I felt like, oh, I don't like this Jonah guy. I mean, he's just, the way he's acting is the least likable prophet in all of the Old Testament. So I'm amazed at what God does next. Look what God does. What will God do to this rudeness? Verse 10 tells us. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. Nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know they are left from their right hand? Again, God graciously tries to reason with Jonah. God is basically saying to Jonah, you accuse me of being unfair, but did you deserve the plant I gave you? If I was fair to you, Jonah, you would already be dead. You want fairness. Fairness means death for you because you are a sinner. Jonah, you are right for the same reason I have spared Nineveh. I have given you both what you do not deserve because I am a God full of mercy and grace. And there is an important lesson for all of us to learn here. Please, don't miss this. Very important. We, we usually feel disappointed with God, as Jonah does, because we think God is not being fair to us. We like to say to ourselves, I've asked God to do this for me, and he's not doing it. It's just not fair. I didn't deserve any of this. But friends, friends, let's be clear about this thing. The good news of Jesus is exactly that. The good news of Jesus is that God is not fair. What does Psalm 103 verse 10 to 12 says? He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repair us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. We are sinners. We deserve death. We deserve eternal punishment. But thank God is not fair. God is just, but he's not fair. His justice is met in the death of Jesus. 
Because someone sinned, someone must die. But thank God in Jesus, we have not received fairness from God, but abandoned grace from him. God has sent his son Jesus as a perfect sacrifice for my sins and yours. Friends, that's not fairness. That's grace. That's grace. And if you know Jesus, God has not given you what you deserve. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, The wages of sin is death. That's what you and I deserve. But thank God that verse does not end there. It does not end there. It says, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Thankfully, we don't get what we deserve in God. So whenever you and I feel disappointed with God and we feel he's being unfair to us and we've drawn a short straw as it were, remember, fair is the last thing you need from God. You need his grace. His abundant grace. And so if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have no reason to live a disappointed, empty life. Because you know the grace of God in Christ. The question for you this morning is, how should you respond to this amazing grace? Well, delight in Him. Delight in Him. And that's our final point this morning. So point number one, sometimes we are what? Disappointed with God. That's a problem because of point number two in your outline. Disappointment with God leaves you empty. Empty. The good news is the third point. But God is full of grace and mercy towards us. So how should you this morning respond to that if you're a follower of Jesus? Delight in him. Delight in that grace. When God gives Jonah the grace of the plant, how does Jonah react? Look at verse 6. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shed over his head to save him from his discomfort. The word for discomfort there, by the way, could even mean evil, to save him from evil. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Jonah's reaction to the plant is noted by God later in verse 10. And, God, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. By the way, the word pity there literally means Jonah has become attached to this plant. He's delighting and enjoying it. It's like his own little thing and he just loves it and it means the whole world to him. Well, God says later to Jonah in verse 11, if you feel this way about the plant, how can you not feel the same way about my grace towards sinners? And God wants everyone to feel the way Jonah feels about the plant. He wants everyone to delight in his grace, to be exceedingly glad at what God has done. And the good news of Jesus is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't do this on your own, because God has poured his Holy Spirit in your heart. Galatians 5 verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Friends, delighting in God's grace is not something we do on our own. Rather, God does it with our cooperation. We yield to him, his Holy Spirit. Then he enables us to delight in him. So what part do we have to play in this? Our part is to believe what Jonah believed with his head, but it didn't capture his heart. Is to believe that verse 2 
of Jonah. We need to believe this truth that God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knows this truth in his head, but he hasn't sunk deep in his heart. So Jonah is a Christian atheist. He believes intellectually in that God, but he hasn't pierced his heart. We must let this truth sink in deep in our heart. God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Will you accept that truth? Well, when you accept that truth, you not only stop being disappointed in God, you will experience true joy and delight in your life. <coughs> now, we don't really know how the story of Jonah ends. Look at that verse at verse 11. Look how it ends. It ends with a question. We don't know how Jonah's story ends. The Bible does not have Jonah part 2, the Nineveh Chronicles. God doesn't do blockbusters like that. Jonah is an open-ending story. Why? I think it is inconclusive so that each one of us this morning who has experienced the grace of God in Jesus may write our own conclusions. Are we going to delight in Jesus or are you going to join Jonah outside with your pity party? Are you going to join the delight of Christ and his grace? Or will you join, join Jonah outside Nineveh, alone and disappointed with God? That's essentially what God is asking you this morning. And the answer is yours. Amen.